Good morning. I'm going to be reading this morning from Exodus chapter 2 verses 5 to 15. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank and she saw a basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. She said, this is one of the Hebrew babies. And then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for, for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him and when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. And one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. So looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And the next day he went out and he saw two Hebrews fighting and he said to one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed that Egyptian? And then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. And when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. May God bless his word today. Well, hello there, KGF Church family. Uh, my name is Todd Ringness, and it's my pleasure to be with you today. Uh, this is a, another message in the continuing summer series of uh, the Knock Knock uh, from Revelation. And so today we're going to talk about uh, Moses and uh, what happened when God knocked knocked on his door. Uh, but first, let's just review the scripture that uh, we are following as far as uh, what the whole series is built around. And that's from Revelation 3.20. And uh, the challenge for everybody was to memorize that, actually. So I don't know how you're doing on that, but... Uh, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him. And so the concept of that uh, verse, uh, to give it a little bit of context, which is something I was doing in, in preparing for the message today, was, is uh, recognizing that that uh, was specifically written by John, and it was written to the seven early churches, including the church of Laodicea. And that church uh, is also described in Scripture as kind of being in trouble. And so what is Laodicea? Well, we can look at a photo here of some of the ruins of, of, of Laodicea, which actually, uh, which is kind of awesome, actually, when you see that. And so that actually, present day, it's a place called Latakia, which is in Syria. And uh, back in the day, that's a seaport. You might be able to see the ocean in the back there. And so back in the day, this church was, uh, had gotten to the point where they were uh, being accused of being lukewarm. And, and they had become quite self-sufficient. And so this is what happens as a society progresses. And, and so uh, uh, John describes also in Revelation that that's what happened, is that they had become uh, lukewarm, which is not a good thing for believers, right? And so there's a, even a story that kind of backs that up, is that this uh, city experienced a pretty severe earthquake 
uh, back in the day. And what happened was they obviously had all kinds of trouble and cleanup that they needed to do. And Rome reached out to them to help out. And they actually denied. They said, no, thanks. We're good. We don't really need that support. And so it's, uh, that is just a little example of, of how self-sufficient that they had become. And so that for us today, that would be like with all the wildfires that are happening here, that would be like, you know, somebody saying, hey, we're going to come and help uh, put out fires and us saying, oh, no, no, we don't need your help, which would be ridic ridiculous, right? So in this uh, setting, the context of that story of the knock-knock and Jesus saying, hey, I'm at the door, this is who he's talking to or other believers. And so uh, what we're going to look at today is specifically what happens when God calls Moses. And so that is the focus of our message here today. And God did knock on Moses' door, and that's what's uh, really very interesting, and that's what we're going to look at, is to see uh, how he ended up saying no, and was a bit of a reluctant uh, leader at that time. So uh, the uh, preamble verse uh, that we went through there gave you the origin story for Moses, and so that kind of sets the stage. Uh, so essentially, if you don't know, Moses was raised Egyptian, and he was in the Pharaoh's palace, and so that's how the story continues. And then around age 40, he wanted to reconnect with his Hebrew uh, people, and so there, the story goes is that he witnessed uh, some harassment of a fellow Hebrew by one of the Egyptians, and then was so angry by that situation that he murdered an Egyptian, and that is not a good thing. So he was in trouble, he had fear, and uh, perhaps the Pharaoh would be um, out to get him, and so then he fled to Midian, and while he was there, he ended up uh, marrying, and he had two boys, and he became a shepherd. So that's kind of the super condensed version of Moses' story. Now, he's in uh, Midian. He goes uh, with his flock as a shepherd, and he heads out to Mount Horeb. And while he's there, he encounters the burning bush. So this bush that's, that's on fire, and but it's not being consumed, and that's quite something that gets his attention. So you've got a picture now that he's, it's 40 years later. So this is a long time later, and this experience is happening. So he's about 80 when this is taking place. And what happens is God calls to him from the burning bush and he's saying, hey, look, I need you to help because we need someone to deliver Egypt or deliver Israel from the Egyptians. And so you're the guy. And what happens in this, as according to scripture, is that Moses isn't very excited about this and he starts having objections to this. And so the objections are what we're going to focus on just briefly and just talk about the six different ways that Moses objected to God calling him. And so the first objection was him saying, hey, who am I to do this? So that's as recorded in Exodus 3.11. And so this is him saying, who am I? He just doesn't even see himself as a leader. And if you, if you think about it, the context of the situation, he's left uh, uh, Egypt, he's sitting in Midian and he's in this whole new life and then he's saying, hey, who am I to do this? So it's a reasonable question, but this is also God, you know, God of the universe who's speaking to him from a burning bush. But this is his initial reaction. So it doesn't stop there. Then it goes on to another one where his next question becomes, well, okay, what will I say? What will I say to the people that you're asking me to deliver from the oppression in Egypt? And that's his next question, thinking, I, I don't even have a clue of what I would even say to them. All right, it continues. Then he goes on to the next one. And his next question is, well, what if they doubt me? So a little bit more of the insecurity that comes up there. So this whole time, God is talking to him and saying, hey, this is what I have for you to do. I Don't worry, I got it, I'll be with you. And Moses continues to ask these kinds of questions because he's not, he's kind of resistant to the call, to say the least. So all this is accounted in Exodus. And then what if they doubt me is that one. And then he goes on to the next one, which is, okay, 
I'm not good with words. And that's his next point. And that's uh, identified in Exodus 4.10 and Exodus 6.12. And so this is Moses, again, who God is calling. He's saying, I'm not good with words. It's hard to imagine that that would be someone's response, but this is what he was going through. And then he actually, okay, if that wasn't enough, there's one more. And it's actually, okay, well, why me? <laughs> and so now he's even doubting why he would be the person that God would call. And so another objection comes out. All right, and then there's actually one more objection where he ends up saying, okay, well, not me, choose anyone else. And this is him pleading with God saying, please choose someone else. And so, you know, this is quite a uh, picture of someone who's being directly called by God, like direct. He's hearing the voice of God and he's having these reactions to him. So does that sound like uh, any experiences or anything that you might have said? You know, we'll get to that a little bit more later. But the, the point that I want to share here is that this happens to all of us where we have these kinds of reactions, the not me, you know, choose anyone else one. And I actually had a personal experience with that that I just want to share with you that uh, I was actually here in our community and I was serving as a volunteer on the board and I was ending my three-year term as the board secretary. Now, those three years, if you've been around, you will know that those were challenging years and there was lots of unexpected twists and turns. And so the actual experience of serving as the board secretary took a lot more for me than I had expected or I had planned to, or like I like to say, there were you know, things that happened that weren't, weren't mentioned in the brochure at all. And so uh, the good news, though, is that I put my time in, I served, and the Lord helped me through. And I got to the end of the three years, and I really was quite glad to be finished and moving on. And so uh, during that time, though, we get the word that the board chair position was vacant. And I'm like, uh, no, not me. I really was not interested. I was ready to be done. And I was kind of in this place of saying, you know, maybe somebody else. But the vacancy remained, and I was like, oh, gosh. And meanwhile, the Lord started to talk to me, and he was getting my attention. And then it was actually, uh, well, it continued for a while, <laughs> more wrestling, where I was like, I'd rather not. And then it was actually lots of conversations with Pastor Phil. And then we finally had one where we were talking, and I just had this sense that, you know, Phil was answering all the questions I had about things, and I just had this sense, and I just felt that I was hearing something specifically from God. And what I heard was him say, basically, I will be with you. And so that was that reassuring sense that uh, Moses also heard many times over with all those questions. Now, I'm not comparing this whole thing that I experienced to Moses, but I'm saying the experience of saying no uh, is something that we can all relate with. And so what was really amazing through this story is that while God was... Uh, and so, yes, I eventually said yes to finish that story, and I'm now serving as the board chair, and I'm ab absolutely convinced that it's what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm where I'm supposed to be. And because I need God and he is with me, absolutely. And so the story with Moses is that through all that process, I just want you to get this, is that this no, yeah, buts, no, yeah, buts, no, uh, God continues to be merciful and gracious and loving. Okay, he was maybe a little bit annoyed, what scripture tells us. And eventually he relents and he actually appoints Aaron as the spokesman. Now, Aaron, his 84-year-old brother, has been appointed as the spokesman. But this is what Moses had asked for. All right, so that's kind of the overview of Moses' uh, experience and his reluctancy in God's call. Uh, but let's take a, a look now at maybe some other reluctant leaders and other heroes from the Bible. Some of them might be coming to mind as we're talking about this, but we're going to take a look at three of them here. Uh, the first one we're going to look at is Jonah. And so we're probably all immediately familiar with the Jonah story. Of course, there's a little picture there of his experience with the well, but essentially, in a nutshell, Jonah was called to preach a pretty unwelcome word to the wicked people of Nineveh. And 
he knew that this wasn't going to be well received. And so this straightforward, God's calling him directly. And then Jonah's response, let's see what he says. Here's the story according to Jonah. He got up and went in the opposite direction <laughs> to get away from the Lord. <laughs> okay, so that definitely is not an automatic yes, I'm in. It was a little bit of reluctancy, okay? So that was Jonah's response. Now, as it turned out, Jonah ended up with quite a whale of a tail, and he ended up uh, fulfilling his call because God gave him a second chance to answer his call, as the rest of that story goes. So uh, the neat part of that is, though, in the midst of all that, there's no doubt about it that in order for Jonah to fulfill it, he had to understand that God was with him. So God was saying to Jonah, I will be with you, and that's what helped him with the confidence to respond to the call. So let's take a look at another one that's going to be Gideon. <clears throat> Again, you may be familiar with the Gideon story. Uh, Israel had, had been uh, had spent many harsh years under the oppression of the Midianites, and then Gideon himself was called by God to deliver Israel, and then his response uh, was actually very Canadian in its polite nature. But as scripture tells us, here's, was, this is Gideon's response. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. All right, so this is Gideon's response uh, to uh, the call. That's what he comes up with right away. Now, it's kind of fun, he's very polite in it, but it's still kind of that idea like, eh, no, I'd rather not. So what does God do? God reminds him of the truth, and he points out, once again, I will be with you, all right? And so Gideon is able to press on in his calling and do what God has called him to do. All right, let's look at another one. The next one is Jeremiah, all right? So Jeremiah, what's really interesting to note here is that he was a teenager when God called him to serve as a rebuking prophet over the nations. All right, so now imagine that. As a teenager, he was called. And, okay, so there you are. So put yourself in that place. So it might be a little tricky to deal with that, right? And he was going to be a rebuking prophet. Okay, again, that's more of that not a very welcome message, all right? And so what ends up happening is uh, he ends up responding to that. And he says the same thing, mainly because God says, yes, I am with you. And so he's able to carry out that call. But it's important to note that if you're a young person, that God could call you to do something pretty awesome. All right, so let's take a, oh, did I finish there? Let's finish with the Jeremiah quote. He says, sorry, his response when he was called was, oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. So that's what he actually says to God is that he's too young. And so uh, God, as I said, deals with that, reminds him that he is here uh, with him and they're able to overcome that. And he goes on and fulfills his calling. All right, so all that's very interesting, but what does it really have to do with anything? Well, let's take a look at you in this picture. Now, hopefully that's not you right now where you're having a snooze in the, in the pew, but what about you? Uh, as, uh, if you found yourself to be in the place where God is saying things or leading you or prompting you, and you're kind of like, eh, yeah, but, I don't know. Have you been uh, dealing with the yeah, buts? You know, it happens to all of us. <clears throat> or maybe you can think of other people uh, who were reluctant, or maybe people that you know that uh, have been giving God the yabats or the no buts. Um, but the whole idea here is that eventually, if we can get to the place where we enjoy our relationship with God and we can encounter his mercy and grace, it's going to change things. And so the key here is a loving, and, a loving relationship between us and our eternal creator, our Abba Father. And so a really good example of someone who was called and didn't have one of those yabbats right away is the uh, story of Isaiah. Okay, so he was a Hebrew prophet around 700 to 800 BC, and he shared a vision that he had received from God, uh, probably in the temple, 
And when he received that vision and he shared it, he actually is accounted in the book of Isaiah. He then ended up having this experience with God where God speaks to him. He said, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And so this is God calling Isaiah directly in this situation. And instead of the abbots, we have a different reaction. He ends up saying, I said, or yeah, this is his response as he says, I here I am, send me, which is a pretty awesome response. And so that's a, a great uh, example for us to follow and to try to be more like Isaiah in these situations where God calls us. But usually we end up a little bit more towards uh, the Moses responses and the other uh, major prophets and, and others in the Bible who end up with the nose and the abats. All right, so now the challenge here now is to look at our own lives and, and see, can we see the places where we had said or we have said no to God? All right, so the challenge that I have for you is to see the no, all right? Now, uh, the process of that is uh, something that's super important because anytime we say no to God, it actually can really uh, cause us to stumble or can actually stop us from moving forward in what God has for us. And one of the places that I saw this uh, on a pretty regular basis is I had a really, a really great opportunity to work with uh, an addiction recovery center, a residential program for men. And I worked there for about four years. And there was an awesome, awesome opportunity there to reflect God's love on a daily basis and to see God at work on a regular basis. So it really was an amazing experience. And quite often when I would have a deep conversation with any of the men there in the program, and there would be like this disconnect with where they're at with God, there would be a, an opportunity for them to ask the question. And I, and I did this on a regular basis. It'd be like, when did you last say no to God? And nearly always asking that question, there was an opportunity for that man to think about his life and reflect back on a very significant time where God may have said, this is what I need you to do. And the answer was no. And so quite often what will happen is from that point forward, a person's relationship with God will be affected because there's a, a defiance, a rebellion. It's even a sin of disobedience, right? And so the challenge that I would give to these guys was, hey, go back to that point and consider trying to make a change to that. And so that is what my challenge is for you, is that how do we go from that place where we can identify a no to go to the next uh, challenge, which is uh, to see the no and, the, and then to ask uh, God to help, uh, help us search our hearts so that we can say yes to the no. Or like a little play there, how can I say see, si, which is Spanish for yes, to the no. And so speaking of Spanish, there's a really fun story that I wanted to share with you. It's actually a little letter that my wife Gay wrote, and it was uh, based on our experience that we had with uh, an orphanage when we were down in Mexico. Uh, we spent about six years total there, and we worked with an orphanage for a big chunk of that. And it was a really amazing experience, and uh, yeah, it was an awesome thing. So I got uh, my wife Gay to write a letter to talk about one of the experiences there. And so let me just read that to you. So, so she writes, So many kids in the orphanage really connected with Todd because he was always at their level, as in down on the tiled floor playing with them. He always tried to be very affirming with them. Our Spanish was limited, and most often these children would talk to us like we understood every word that they said. Well, we didn't. But Todd decided that even when he didn't understand their words, their words, he would always answer most anything with "si," which of course is yes in Spanish. And usually Todd's "si" would be followed by great laughter and huge smiles all around. 
His heart was absolutely for these little ones, and he wanted to be a positive influence on all of them who were in such a sad situation. Well, during one visit, and after a round of apparently hilarious questions and Todd's usual see response, one boy jumped up and ran off to his room. Well, we were puzzled and tried to ask the others what happened. Apparently, Todd had just answered C to the boy's question, which in Spanish was, ¿Pueden llevarme a casa con ustedes? And the question should be, ¿Pueden llevarme a casa con ustedes? And so in English, what does that mean? Can you guys take me home with you? So that uh, was the question, and understandably, he was ready to go. So perhaps there are times when a no may be the appropriate answer, or at least until our Spanish skills improved. And so that C is why I put that in there. How do you get from uh, where you were with the no to say C, the no, as in say yes to the no? And so another really great example of someone who gets there really quickly is our Savior, and of course, that's Jesus. Uh, he was, uh, as you know, the son of God as man on earth, as a man on earth, and he experienced all emotions and temptations. And the time came for, uh, for him to become the living sacrifice and wash away all the sins of the world. It really was the greatest act of love that the world has ever known. And here it is in the situation, he's in the garden, he's, about, he's preparing to go to the cross, and this is all about to happen. And as this is about to take place, the scriptures record this uh, quote from him, recorded in the book of Luke. He says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Now, this is Jesus himself, the Son of God, uh, responding to the call in this situation and saying, I'd really rather not. You know, very human of him, quite something. But there's an interesting difference here, because immediately after he says that, he follows it up with a pretty important phrase. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Pretty awesome, all right? So isn't that the goal for all of us is to, to have that kind of a follow-up so that we would have the no or the yeah buts, but we'd follow it up with, you know what? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I know that's my heart. I'm pretty sure that'd be your heart too. So can we follow on that example? Yes, we can, because the truth is, whatever it is that God's calling us to, he assures us that he's going to be with us. That's the truth. We know that the Bible is filled with references of him reminding, of, reminding us that he's with us. and those are, So there's proof there that he is with us. Another name for Jesus is Emmanuel, which is God with us. right? And there's all through scripture, there's dozens and dozens of references and reminders that God is with us. And then we had Jesus himself before he ascended. He actually said, as written in Matthew 28, he said, and lo, I am with you even to the end of of the age. He's always with you, even to the end of the age. And that's Jesus saying that to us. All right? So if that's the truth, if he's always with us, then how is it that we still get caught up in saying no? Well, that's because we're still human and we're still fleshly. And so the challenge is just to, to get past that. So how, how do we do that? How can I say C to the no? All right? So that's the question. So can I say C to the no? So the challenge then to be able to get to the yes <clears throat> is to know what the no is, right? But I have a couple other fun little puns because I like puns, and so there's another way to say this. So can I say C to the no, which is yes to the no, right? But the next one is can I, once I've said C, can I say, can I see the no? And I put the C as in an S-E-A. 
see the no, and if, that's a reference to Moses, of course, and the Red Sea, right? And so uh, the kids, I think you're coloring uh, Moses of the Red Sea, and so can we get to the point where we see the no, as in the Red Sea, the no? Are you, are you with me? Are you tracking? <laughs> Same idea, say yes to the no. All right, and so then that's the challenge, and so how can I say yes to the no? So the first thing is to start with is what no do I see, which is uh, asking God and reflecting on this and saying, you know, where are the places that I said no, and then how can I change that to a yes? And so that's the challenge, is to first identify no's, and they might be no's that go all the way back to maybe when you were first a Christian, when you first accepted Christ, or they might have been last week. And keep in mind, these could be little no's and big no's, but generally it's the bigger ones that uh, really cause us to stumble in our relationship with him. And so uh, the bottom line here is that we need to get to that place where we are willing to ask God and invite him into that process of helping us uh, be able to say yes when he is calling us to do something. And so that's my prayer for you. And so that is the question for today is, uh, what is it that I've said no to? And then what do I need to do to be able to say yes? And so uh, let's just take a moment now and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to gather together and to read from your word and see these examples of these great men from the Bible, Lord, that struggled, Lord. And it's a good reminder for us to, yeah, to see that truth, that struggle is normal, even for the great ones. And so, Father, I just pray that as we reflect on that and we think uh, over our lives and our journey, whether that's all the way back or more recently. Lord, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would reveal these places where we've said no and that, uh, yeah, you would do that, Lord, in a loving way. There would be no condemnation. The Bible tells us that, Lord. We thank you for that. And that there would be just, uh, yeah, the clarity provided where we would understand, understand where we said no to you, Lord. And Father, I pray that uh, that we would... Uh, choose to ask you for forgiveness and that there would be that repentance and that we would choose to be forgiven of our disobedience in those situations, Father, and that your forgiveness would just wash over us yeah, like refreshing rain, Father. Yeah, I thank you for that truth. And Lord, as we uh, move forward, I just pray that there would be that reminder of, of the truth, the reality that you are with us. And so if you've called us and you are with us, then how can we possibly say no? So Father, I just pray for that boldness, that courage, and uh, yeah, that insight, Father, for each person listening right now, Lord, that it would be that revelation of truth directly from your spirit to theirs. So we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, what you will do. We thank you for your love that never changes, that's always perfect without conditions. We love you, Lord, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. I pray this word has been a blessing for you, and we'll see you next time. God bless.